Hi, welcome to the Ending Your Binge Eating Podcast. I'm Rashonda Yates. I overcame binge eating, lost 60 pounds, and kept it off for over two years. And now I'm sharing my stories, strategies, and tools to help you end your binge eating once and for all. So today I'm talking about whether or not you should keep trigger foods in the house or out of the house and what you can do to make trigger foods irrelevant. So should you keep trigger foods in the house or should you get them out of the house? It's interesting because if you ask this on the internet, there are people who swear by both options. But let's think about this for a moment. If the solution really was as simple as whether or not you keep the food in or out of the house, wouldn't the problem already be solved? It's probably the first thing that most of us try. This leads me to the first mistake that we tend to make when we try to stop binge eating, which is that we start by trying to manipulate our food in some way. And when you think about it, this makes complete sense because, you know, it seems like logically the problem is binging on food. So the solution must be to control it. But we're missing something really important that keeps us from actually getting freedom. And this is that binge eating isn't actually the problem. It's actually a symptom. Here's an analogy to kind of illustrate this. Imagine if you go to the doctor with the flu and you leave with a prescription for cough syrup. So, you know, with the flu, you've got aches and pains, you've got fever, you've got cough. And so they gave you cough syrup, which only treats one symptom. If they would have instead correctly diagnosed the cause of the symptoms and discovered that you had the flu, they would have sent you home with, you know, a Z-Pack or some other antibiotics that actually address the root of the problem. And this is the same with binge eating. It's actually a symptom of the problem. So while it seems so obvious to spend all our time managing food and trying to get our eating under control, and trust me, I did the same thing for years, as long as we're doing that, we're actually just putting a Band-Aid on it. So like I said, I thought that I needed to address food directly to solve my binge eating problem. But what I learned was that what I actually needed to address to get to the root of the problem was actually my mind. See, when I got my mind straight, the binge eating problem just resolved itself as if by magic, honestly. See, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter whether we keep the food in the house or out of the house. If we have a habit of binging on ice cream or cookies, then most likely we will find a way to get ice cream or cookies. I tried it all. I remember, you know, resolving that I was going to keep ice cream out of the house, for example. And then I would just end up leaving my house at nine in the evening (laughs) trying to, you know, go track down some ice cream. I remember one time my husband asked me, you know, where are you going? And I said, I'm going to go on an ice cream run. And he just straight up was like, that's crazy. 
And I remember feeling kind of offended, like it stung a little bit. But then later I thought about it and I was like, you know what? It really, it really is kind of crazy because it was my bedtime and I really was very devoted to my bedtime. I was very disciplined typically when it came to my sleep. So, you know, why was I leaving at bedtime to go get ice cream? So, you know, whether I kept it out of the house or kept it in the house, it really didn't make a difference for me because I had a habit of binge eating. And, you know, when my brain was telling me it's time to do this habit, then the urge was there. It felt very strong. And, you know, I would give in to it. And I remember feeling so incredibly frustrated because it seemed like no matter what I did, I always end up overeating. So maybe you can relate to this. So all of this changed when I stopped focusing on the food altogether. And instead, I started focusing on changing my thinking patterns. Now, one caveat I will add is this. You know, I ironically had a lot of knowledge and information about nutrition. I already had a strong sense of what was healthy and not healthy. You know, I knew a lot. I just couldn't get myself to do what I knew to do. So the caveat is if you're someone who really doesn't have this knowledge and this sense, then you might need to at least to some degree focus on nutrition because nutrition is a part of um, having a healthy relationship with food. But so I just wanted to put that out. And my general disclaimer is to talk to your physician or a registered dietitian to understand your specific nutrition needs. So back to this, how can you change your thinking patterns to make trigger foods irrelevant? Well, let's look at an example that you might be able to relate to. I used to teach and I would feel a lot of stress during my workday. Maybe I would feel unsupported, like the kids didn't listen or the parents weren't weren't taking enough responsibility at home. Um, then I would basically just repeat these thinking patterns and these feelings day in and day out. And I would stress myself out more and more and more and got to the point where I needed to release that stress. And I would start thinking about food. Now, this happened unconsciously. This wasn't something that I could really put together until much later, but this is how it played out. You know, I started, I would start fantasizing about eating chicken fingers, fries, and ice cream later on that night. And then as soon as school was done, I would go straight to the drive-thru and, you know, go ahead and act out the whole fantasy. So like I said, looking back, I can understand, I can see the pattern very clearly. And I could see how these binges began in my mind long before I actually had the chicken fingers in my mouth. But back then, I would just feel like I was totally out of control. Like I didn't even know how I got from here to there. So how did I change my thinking patterns? And how can you do the same thing? Well, I started first with my emotion. Now, everything that we do, we do based on emotions. So starting with emotions, it's really easy to pinpoint your thinking. 
So what I did was I wrote down anyone and everything that made me resentful or angry. And I also put down anything that made me ashamed. And then I looked at each one of these and I asked why each one caused those emotions in me. You know, was someone rude to me? Was someone unfair to me? Did I do something I wasn't proud of? Did someone do something hurtful to me? So after writing all of that down, for each of these, I asked myself the million dollar question, because this question is the one that gives you your power. The question was, what was my part in this situation? So when you ask this question, I want to be abundantly clear that if someone does something to hurt you in any way, asking yourself this question is not about making that person right for what they did. Okay, so let's just get that out of the way first. This really has nothing to do with the other person. This is only about you and your mind. Ask yourself, what is my part? If it's a resentment, even if it's a resentment towards somebody who did something um, hurtful to you, yes, you want to process that emotion. You want to feel it. You want to feel the hurt. But if you are then making a lot of meanings about what that meant, and holding on to it and being attached to it, that is actually now your responsibility to let that go. So you can look at each of these and you can ask, you know, what what did I do to contribute to the situation? What am I doing to hold on to this resentment? You know, am I judging someone for doing what they thought was best? Am I controlling someone? Or a situation? Am I judging myself? If so, what do I hope to gain from this self-judgment? So those are some examples of some of the ways that you can um, assess your part. Now, after this, I go a step further. And this is not for the faint of heart, because it really requires humility And it requires, frankly, just a real true desire to be free. Um, But I do recommend taking this step, Um, if not just for being free from binge eating, but also just to be, you know, a good person. So in this step, after my reflection, if I recognize that, you know, I was actually at fault somewhere, I actually hurt someone or wronged someone else, then I will actually go the extra mile and go and make a humble apology to that person and take full responsibility for my part, not blaming them in any way, because that's their responsibility. You know, one of the biggest things that I learned going through this process is how much I took responsibility for other people. Either I was trying to control them by making them wrong for their choices, or I would actually try and somehow get them to see how I was right, you know? And what I realized was that I really only am responsible for my side of the street. So now you might be wondering what any of this has to do with binge eating. 
Well, for a long time, I asked myself the same question because truly when I just, when I went through this process and all of a sudden I just didn't want to binge eat anymore, I was just completely blown away. It felt like a miracle and I didn't understand why it worked, you know? But now, even though I do still believe in miracles, I can see why going through this process took away my desire to binge. And I'm going to break that down for you a little bit now. It has to do with how our brains work. See, we're creatures of habit and all habits are our patterns. They're things that we do think and feel on a loop. And when I systematically traced down the thinking that was leading me to binge, I was literally able to interrupt the patterns that had been playing on loops for over a decade. So by starting with my emotions, I was able to very easily find my triggers um, because let's, you know, I mean, even though we do eat sometimes when we're happy or when celebrating, the thing that is easiest to pinpoint are the things that are painful, the things that uh, upset us. So start there. Um, so I started with my emotions and then from there I was able to find the triggers for those emotions. And then I was able to go from the triggers to the thinking by asking, well, you know, why am I triggered by this situation? And then I was able to empower myself by saying, okay, now what is my part? And so I went from thinking, okay, this person treated me poorly and so I binged or I got stressed out and so I binged to being able to have this actually much more deeper understanding and nuance to look at exactly what the thinking was that was getting me to the binge eating. So I hope that that all makes sense and um, I want to just do a quick recap here. In this episode, I explained why your patterns will override tactics like whether or not you keep trigger foods in the house. And I talked about how to change your patterns to make the trigger foods irrelevant, because if you don't have a desire to binge, it doesn't matter whether they're in the house or not. So if you had any ahas or insights from this episode, I'd love to hear from you. Please tag me over on Instagram at Rashonda Yates and let me know your wins. I'd love to cheer you on. All right. So that wraps up this episode. I will catch you next time on the Ending Your Binge Eating Podcast. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you have gained any value from this episode or from the podcast in general, then I would really appreciate it if you would leave a review on iTunes. It is such a big help. It helps me to reach more people. And if you did gain any insights, I would love to hear your takeaways and how you're implementing these tools. Over on Instagram, you can follow me at Rashonda Yates and send me a DM and let me know what you are using, what you're taking away from the episode, what your ahas are, things that you're seeing differently. I love having conversations with you over there. And until next time, I'll catch you on an episode on, an, on another episode. Bye.